What companies deserve your hard-earned dollar? Which would you want to work for? How can you know if they share your values? Just ask us. Just Capital is a nonprofit that tracks who really means business in supporting workers, customers, communities, the environment, and shareholders. We measure progress, track success, and help them be better. When you see the Just Capital seal, you know what's real because just business is better business. Visit justcapital.com to learn who makes your dollar count. Welcome to the First Light Podcast with excerpts from our Tuesday, April 5th radio broadcast. I'm Michael Toscana. There is a feeling of dread reaching around the world now that we are seeing in real time war crimes being committed. The Ukrainians go further, calling the Russian invasion genocide. Whatever the label, the Russian military action is increasingly brutal and world leaders are reacting with revulsion. President Biden says Vladimir Putin should be put on trial. And we'll be spending time on that this morning. The Senate last night moved the nomination of Judge Ketanji Brown-Jackson to the Supreme Court to the floor for a full and final confirmation vote this week, picking up more GOP support. That's ahead in a few minutes. Later, we're going to Alaska to talk about a very unusual U.S. House election getting underway there. We're going to check in with Mike Porcaro, afternoon drive time anchor on our first light station in Anchorage, News Radio 650 KENI. Talk about the entrance into the race by Sarah Palin. All that and more coming your way in the morning mix found only at First Light. Clayton Neville begins our correspondent close-up on a world enraged by atrocities in Ukraine. Clayton? Michael, humanitarian groups describe pure terror from Ukrainians in cities taken over by Russian forces. We have seen examples and we have seen experiences of people getting killed while trying to get food. If they try to bury the dead, they can get shot on the spot. So there is absolutely no civilian approach to evacuating them. Russians blocking some critical humanitarian corridors. Meaning they cannot, they do not allow women, children and wounded elderly people to exit the cities, which is an absolute disaster for the people who are stuck. The violence in some places is in intensifying. Russia's been accused of taking hostages and targeting civilians in hospitals. President Biden said yesterday that Russian President Vladimir Putin should be tried for potential war crimes. We have to gather all the detail so this can be an actual have a war crime trial. This guy is brutal. Photos out of the city of Bucha, Ukraine, shocked the world. Images of bodies lined in the street. The images that we see are tragic. They're shocking. But unfortunately, they're not surprising. U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan said that the U.S. had already seen evidence of war crimes. And the information from Bucha appears to show further evidence of war crimes. And as the president said, we will work with the world to ensure there is full accountability for these crimes. The U.S. and other NATO countries now imposing more sanctions against the Kremlin in hopes the brutality will stop. But Sullivan pointed out that those sanctions are part of the long game. We don't expect that that shift in behavior will be caused by sanctions overnight. He believes Russia underestimated the global response. The Russians have now realized that the West will not break. Shelling still on the outskirts of Kharkiv and bombs still falling. Russia is repositioning its forces to concentrate its offensive operations in eastern and parts of southern Ukraine. Air attacks and bombings, though, expected to continue across Ukraine and still 
hope and resilience among Ukrainian fighters. Shoulder by shoulder, they put every single penny towards the victory. And we love our president, we support Vladimir Zelensky because he, he is a brave man. This as the U.S. State Department backs a multi-nation team of war crime experts. They're investigating what's happening in Ukraine. I'm Clayton Neville. Michael? Thanks so much, Clayton. More on the president's call for putting Vladimir Putin on trial for war crimes still ahead this morning at First Light. Judge Katanji Brown-Jackson is on a glide path to confirmation to the Supreme Court. Correspondent John Stolas reports the nomination has even picked up additional Republican support. Earlier this week, Senator Susan Collins of Maine signaled she would vote to confirm her. And yesterday, Mitt Romney of Utah and Lisa Murkowski of Alaska joined her. In statements, both Senators Romney and Murkowski said they expect there will be decisions they disagree with, but said Jackson, quote, more than meets the standards of excellence and integrity to be confirmed. Earlier in the day, the Judiciary Committee debated Judge Jackson's qualifications before deadlocking 11 to 11 along party lines to move her nomination along. The first time a Supreme Court nominee was deadlocked since Clarence Thomas in 1991. That triggered a 53 to 47 procedural vote by the full Senate, with Collins, Murkowski and Romney voting yes. Democratic Chairman Dick Durbin calling it an important day in American history. This committee's action today is nothing less than making history. I'm honored to be part of it. Democrat Dianne Feinstein of California lamenting the party line vote by the committee. She is precisely the type of nominee that senators on both sides of this aisle should want on the Supreme Court. Republican Ted Cruz of Texas said she's just too liberal. If Judge Jackson is confirmed, I believe she will prove to be the most extreme and the furthest left justice ever to serve on the United States Supreme Court. And ranking member Chuck Grassley was a no as well. Unfortunately, I think she and I have fundamental different views on the role of judges. A final vote on Judge Jackson is expected by Thursday night or sometime Friday, a vote in which she will receive the bipartisan support the Biden administration was hoping to get when they made her their pick to replace the retiring Stephen Breyer on the nation's high court. John Stolnes, Washington. Kevin Carr is here with a movie just full of spunky young teenagers now streaming on Disney+. And, and Kevin, all I can say is that, you know, life's greatest adventures are only as big as your dreams. Well, that's so inspiring, Michael. Thank you very much. Uh, and, and that leads me to talk about the, the new film on Disney+, Plus called... Better Nate Than Ever. Now, it's based on a, a book that's uh, written by Ted Federley. He was a, uh, a kid who loved musical theater and got bullied and, and had all these struggles. And so it's him telling this story of, of this kid named Nate who was trying to kind of find himself and find his purpose and find uh, his people in school. And uh, Nate wants to audition for... A Broadway show. And so he sneaks and he lives near the Eastern seaboard. So he sneaks away one night and tells his parents he's staying at somebody else's house and travels to New York city to audition for this Broadway role without the permission of his parents and sort of the scrapes and the adventures he gets into. And, you know, it's a it's one of those like kid, kid in the big city, fish out of water type thing. And, you know, it starts off pretty heavy handed uh, with, with some of the, the material, but you know what? Doggone it, by the time you get to the middle of the 
movie, you kind of fall in love with these characters and, and, you know, they got a lot of heart and it's very sweet and it's corny. Sure. But it's a Disney plus movie aimed at tweens and teens. Uh, so I, I was surprised at how much, uh, you know, by the, from, from the first scene to, you know, about the middle of the movie, how much it really kind of uh, you know, caught me and made me uh, really kind of enjoy it. Is there music in this? I got the impression it's about about musicals. So, uh, but I didn't see much music in the trailer. Is there is there some good music in it? Yeah, there's some. I mean, there's not like uh, it's not a musical, but I mean, obviously because he's going after uh, the Broadway scene, he has some songs that he sings and and he gets caught up. And I mean, it's it's him. He's he's auditioning for the fake musical of Stitch the musical or Lilo and Stitch the musical, which doesn't exist. Um, but but um, trust me. It probably will in about five years. Okay, it's a better Nate than ever. It's on Disney Plus, and it's just so so bright and so so cheery. I think we should uh, find out how many rainbows, Kevin. You will award better Nate than ever. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say three and a half out of five. I was impressed. I thought this was uh, th- this movie had a heart, and you don't always get that with movies, and uh, you know that kind of saves it. You know, beneath that crusty exterior, Kevin, you're just an old softy. I'm just a Grinch with a heart that grew three sizes. Named one of the best personal finance podcasts, The Stacking Benjamin Show with Joe and his friends makes financial literacy fun. I got an email today from the LenPenzo.com HR department. I find oh. it really interesting. I'm an employee of one at this company, so but somebody from the HR department sent me an email telling me that I had a raise. If I just opened the attachment, I could see how much my raise was. Make sure you click on the links that are in there, too. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Yeah, I can't wait. This is I'm excited. Find out more by searching the Stacking Benjamins podcast wherever you listen. You may have seen the grisly scenes coming out of Ukraine, the town of Buka, where retreating Russian forces left behind dead civilians in the streets, hands tied, shot execution style, other atrocities, hundreds dead. President Joe Biden yesterday on Vladimir Putin. You saw what happened in Vukka. This warrants him. He is a war criminal. But we have to gather the information. We have to continue to provide Ukraine with the weapons they need to continue the fight. And we have to gather all the detail so this could be an actual have a war crime trial. Let's get more on the president's comments now from Sarah Al-Arshani, who reports for Insider. Welcome back to First Light, Sarah. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Was this something that the president just said off the cuff, or is this a, a, a real, actual, thought-out statement of policy calling Vladimir Putin a war criminal? The comments that the president made on Monday um, seem to be a little bit more deliberate than the statements that he made um, a week prior, where he had called um, for regime change or appeared to call for regime change. So even in his statements on Monday, he hinted that you know I've called Putin a war criminal before, and you're looking. He, he's talking about the images that are coming out of Bucha and other parts of Ukraine and saying, here's the evidence. So this seems a little bit more um, deliberate. He said that we need to go about uh, collecting evidence in effect. Do we know what the government is doing to actually collect that evidence and what, what, it would, what that evidence is? I don't know if he's specifically mentioning the United States government in terms of collecting evidence. I think the, the remarks were more geared towards you know, whether it's International Criminal Court or any tribunal that would in turn, you know, try Putin if, if it ever got to that point. He, he's talking about it 
from what it sounds like in that regards of let's collect evidence and document the atrocities that are happening that indicate that war crimes are going on in Ukraine mm -hmm. by I mean, Russia. There has been a great deal of talk about uh, war crimes in, in recent weeks, as we've seen the, the Russian invasion continue uh, in Ukraine. And we know that there are almost a dozen nations right now collecting evidence and talking about trying to go forward with some kind of prosecution. And they've, they've actually opened investigations. So I think that uh, National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan uh, said after the president spoke that um, the United States will seek information uh, from uh, intelligence services and um, United Nations observers, that sort of thing. And is there any thought that at some point there there could actually be a case made against Vladimir Putin? Because, you know, that would be very difficult to prove and very difficult to sustain over, you know, it would take years. Yeah, foreign policy experts have sort of indicated that getting Putin to trial is not very likely or holding him to justice for these crimes. But I think what we're seeing is a lot of foreign leaders and foreign nations sort of standing up and saying, we're going to call this out and we're not sort of going to be quiet about it. So whether or not it actually reaches, you know, a tribunal or, or a trial does not seem very likely. But I think it's interesting that you have all of these nations that are now calling it, you know, war crimes and, and specifically targeting Putin. Well, I know that there are some prosecutors have said that rather than going the war crimes route, uh, maybe you get uh, Putin for aggression, which, uh, you know, is waging an unprovoked war against another country. I'm, I'm not sure what the legal differences are. Um, if you're raging a, a ruthless, unprovoked war against another country, I would think that there would be violations of human rights in that as well. But but who would have jurisdiction over Russia uh, to 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 bring these charges and, and actually mount a prosecution? Do we have any idea or are, are we just um, talking because that's what we would like to see happen? I think it's difficult. I mean, Russia is not part of the International Criminal Court, um, which would normally be the, the tribunal that would try war crimes. So it would be very, very difficult to see who would be able to try Putin and, and how that would that would unfold. What what happens next? Is this just one of those things from the White House that you're getting the feeling that, well, this was said and the security advisor followed suit saying, well, we're going to you know, we're going to look into this and and maybe do something at some point. Is this going to be seen as less important, for instance, than getting more military aid to Ukraine and maybe this just rhetoric that will eventually fade away while we spend more time and effort actually helping out on the battlefield? You know, the president, as well as um, a number of other nations, have talked about increasing sanctions against Russia, as well as sending more military aid and more military um, equipment to Ukraine. So I don't think the I don't think it's either or. There's both sort of happening on the ground. But I think the the reference to war criminal is is highlighting the atrocities that images that have been coming out of Ukraine in recent in recent weeks have have shown. So I I think it almost sort of goes hand in hand and saying almost like a justification of like, look, these war crimes are happening. So we're boosting up our support for for Ukraine. Those, those pictures certainly have caught the attention of the world. Now, I know that the, for the record, the Russians are saying, well, that, that this is all fake news. This all happened after we left. No civilians were harmed, you know, during our uh, our actions in Buka, for instance. But I believe the intelligence communities are now saying, well, we have satellite imagery showing you guys were there doing this stuff. So I'd, I'd like just like to get that on the record. You mentioned uh, increased sanctions. Do we have any inkling what those might be at this point? Because I, I thought they were pretty much sanctioned out at this point. 
There is a debate happening within countries in the European Union in terms of sanctioning um, gas or other you know, fossil fuel exports, which we know that Russia supplies a significant amount to European nations. Actually, you had the Polish prime minister um, on Monday um, attack by name Germany and France, particularly Germany for standing in the way of those sanctions. So you're looking at a lot of conversations, especially within the European Union about sanctioning other exports from Russia. So that, that is an ongoing conversation. All right. Sarah Al-Arshani is a news reporter for Insider. You can read her work at insider.com. And Sarah, thanks for bringing your reporting to First Light this morning. All right. Thank you so much for having me. So now this is fascinating for political junkies, a wild, free-for-all, unconventional special election to fill the empty seat of the late Republican Don Young from Alaska in the U.S. House of Representatives. If it isn't already interesting enough, along comes Sarah Palin. Well, she's running now in that election, arriving back on the political scene with a full-throated endorsement from Donald Trump. Let's get more on this as we welcome Mike Porcaro, who holds down afternoon drive time on our first light station in Anchorage, 650 News Radio KENI. Welcome to this side of First Light, Mike. Well, thank you very much, Michael. It's my pleasure. And it's um, we, need, we need to get you guys up here at some point. I'm all for that. I think maybe we'll wait till it gets really hot down here before we, you know, get up to the more temperate climes of Alaska. But yeah, you'll be getting a lot of a lot of folks from down here, though, heading your way with this. I think it's in June is when the big primary is held. Yes, the primary is June 11th, and it's the top four candidates. And we, we've just passed this ranked choice voting, which is kind of new to us, where this will be the first election we actually get to get to do it. But here's the, the, here's the thing. There's 50 candidates, five zero candidates running in this election. And they range from conservative Republican to Democrat to a self-described Democrat socialist named actually Santa Claus. That's his real name. <laughs> okay. So, so you've, oh. got, you've got all this going on and there's a mail-in ballot for the primary, but then there will be uh, the regular election for this seat, for the continuation of Don Young's seat, uh, August 16th. But also on that date is the primary for the November election. So if I haven't confused you at this point, then, I, then I've done a good job because there are multiple elections, multiple layers of confusion. And if anybody comes out of this thing and we know what's happened at the end of it, I'll be surprised. So you have to get 50% of the vote to, to win this thing out of 50 people. That's got to be almost <laughs> impossible. So yeah. I, I would think that with her name recognition, that would give Sarah Palin a huge advantage. Well, she has, a, she has a huge advantage in terms of name recognition. She has a huge advantage in terms of money. The problem for Sarah is up here, um, she's going to have to run on her record, which for some people uh, is good. And for some people, it's not so good. Um, it's interesting to watch how she is viewed in the lower 48, uh, as opposed to how she's viewed up here. There are some people up here that have said she's a quitter. She left after two years to go do something else, and we expected her to finish out her term. Some other folks would say, well, you know what? Um, she took some really great opportunities and, and good for her. So she's got a kind of a mixed mixed record up here. I, I don't know how, um, 
how she'll fare. The interesting thing about how she'll fare is that Alaska's population turns over quite a bit. So there's a lot of people up here now that weren't here when she was governor. So I think that that bodes well for her on that side. But there's an awful lot of people up here that were and felt we went through, um, it's a very difficult period because uh, she really raised taxes on the oil companies. She gave $500 million to a, uh, a Trans-Canada pipeline that never got built. So there were a lot, a lot of things like that. So again, it's like anybody else, you know, there's pluses and minuses. Do we know how popular she is now? Uh, I, I did see that there was a poll taken in October showing her approval rating at just 31%. But this was from an Alaska pollster named Ivan Moore. I'm not familiar with yeah. Ivan Moore's work. Is, is he a, a real pollster or is he a partisan? Yeah. Ivan's been up here for a number of years. Um, and he uh, his polls are usually pretty good. There's a couple of pollsters up here that uh, have done good work. And Ivan has been around the political scene in Alaska for a long time. So if he says it's 31 percent, it's probably pretty close. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's also at when she was out of the public eye, at least yeah. in terms of, of re- politics and government for a long time. So she may have been able to improve on that since the, since October. And also there's another advantage, I guess, that she has, and that's the full-throated endorsement from former President Trump. And I remember back in 2016, she gave him some credibility with, mm-hmm. with a certain uh, yeah. part of the Republican Party when she endorsed him fairly early on, and he's returned the favor uh, here. Is that going to help her uh, with this? Well, I think it's certainly going to help her with a, a certain segment of the Republican Party. Um, there's a lot of people up here that really like Donald Trump. Uh, he won the state twice. And, um, you know, the, the, the very red part of Alaska uh, loves Trump. The uh, As you get further over toward the middle, uh, not so much. And then you get all the way over to the left and not not at all. Uh, so having a, having an endorsement from Donald Trump does not hurt. I mean, I think that's a I think that's a positive. Um, but one of her opponents is, is is interesting. His name is Nick Begich, and it's really Nick Begich the third. Nick Begich, his grandfather was the only guy to ever beat Don Young, and Nick Begich was lost in an airplane crash uh, with uh, Speaker of the House Hale Boggs. Wow, that could, well that goes back a few decades. Yeah, many decades. And, and so there was an election. Uh, Begich was on it. He was dead and he lo- and Young lost to him. And then Young won the next election against a gentleman named Eamon Lottie by 2,000 votes. And it was Don Young for 49 years. By the way, are they, they going to have like a debate with 50 people on the stage? You know, uh, if we do, we're calling you. <laughs> All right. I'm up for that. <laughs> All right. I, I have no idea, Michael, how they would how they would do that. Um, I'm thinking that of the 50 people, there's going to be a bunch of folks dropping out. All right. Mike, thanks so much for being with us. Mike Porcaro, who holds down afternoons at our first light station in Anchorage, 650 News Radio, KENI. Thanks for being with us, Mike. Thank you. My pleasure. Six men have been arrested in Florida on charges of stealing thousands of dollars of gasoline from gas stations there. It seems these guys would break into a gas pump and install a homemade device allowing them to dispense gas for pennies per gallon or nothing at all. They stole around $60,000 worth of gas from stations around Tampa, profitably reselling it to truck drivers. 
Well, they were caught after gas station surveillance cameras captured the odd sight of seven trucks continually cycling through a single gas pump for more than 12 hours. The Hillsborough County Sheriff called it Operation Empty Tank. Now it's full cells. You've been listening to the First Light Podcast with excerpts from our radio broadcast of Tuesday, the 5th of April, 2022, produced by T.J. Coutini. You know, you can hear all of our First Light program on the air or streaming from one of America's great radio stations near you early each weekday morning. I hope you'll join us then. I'm Michael Toscano. Thanks for listening to the First Light Podcast. Hey, everybody, this is Dan Bespris, host of Fantasy NBA Today, a daily fantasy basketball podcast. We cover every box score from every game every day, plus bonus shows on buy low opportunities, players to stash, schedule analysis, and really anything you could need to smash your league into deliciously tiny pieces. Catch the Fantasy NBA Today podcast, part of the Believe Network, on YouTube or wherever you listen.